Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on being in Christ. Oh, goodness. Three days till Christmas. We're going to have so much fun this morning. I'm excited. I, I want to... Uh, I, I had them send you. You'll see it. If you're signed up for Remind, you got it through Remind as well. If, you ha- if we have your email address, you got it through your email. Just send a little PDF that in my studies this week, I saw this PDF, and it pretty much is just a bunch of scriptures, and, but it's awesome. So just take that and munch on it, okay? It'll be great reflection. It is a whole thing that um, our scriptures dealing with being in Christ, okay? And it only, it goes a little further through Christ, in Him, by Christ. I mean, it's just amazing uh, the implications of Christ. Who knew it? Who to thunk it? The, inst- the implications of God's Son coming to the world has a lot to do with life, and so I- I've just been. Um, actually, a conversation I had a few weeks ago, DJ, about being in Christ kind of prompted this in me, and he, he asked me what it means to be in Christ, and and he was having some thoughts and really got my mind going on that topic, and then uh, just coming into today, uh, almost shared it Wednesday night and really felt like um, I needed to go a little deeper with it, and so took a little bit more time. And so, but thinking about Christmas and the baby in a manger, I was thinking during worship, you know, Christ left a lot of things empty. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? You know, he left a lot of things empty so that we could be full. He left the manger empty. He left the cross empty. He left the tomb empty. You know one thing he didn't leave empty? A seat at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. That seat is occupado. He is there. And so, but he left a lot of things empty so that we could be full. But so we talk about being in Christ. What a massive. Paul says, be in Christ, or what comes by being in Christ, over a hundred times in his letters in the New Testament. The implications of being in Christ. And so we, we start to look at that and what Paul talked about and contemplated. And until DJ asked me that question, I've never really just thought about what it means to be in Christ. And then I start thinking about Christmas and I start thinking about this little baby, okay? And so all of heaven, all of heaven was in this little baby, And then there's room for all of us in this little baby. So this little baby comes and really opens up a portal to heaven. The baby comes and makes a sanctuary city for us here where even though we're aliens in this world, we have a home in him. And so heaven came and made a place for us here in heaven through him, right? We're like the, um, what is it in foreign countries? Oh, my goodness, I went blank. Embassy. 
He's like the, the embassy in body. So we can come to him and get in him, and we're in heaven while on earth. And so we can redefine all the rules and the laws. I've talked to you about it before. You know, if you're in a third world country and you're in the U.S. Embassy, your pay scale as that ambassador is not dictated by the country that you're in. Because you're inside the embassy. And so inside that embassy, the pay scale is from the home country. Right? And so once we get in Christ, we're now everything, all the laws, all the, all the things are heaven's rule and reign in him. So this little baby literally brought this, this paradigm to us, John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. So before the little baby came, everything that he was coming to set up now, this embassy, this portal in, it came through him to start with. I mean, the baby seems so little and so insignificant, and so he's in a manger where there's no room. There's no room for him in the place that was created through him. Isn't that weird? There's no room for him in some people's heart, even though they were created through him. To dwell in him and with him. And so all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Skip on down to verse 4. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory... Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become the righteousness of God in him. Okay? Okay? Now, I told you there's over 100. I'm not reading 100 verses, so calm down. Romans 3, 21 through 24. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption of which is in Christ Jesus. So there's righteousness in him, there's redemption in him, but we've got to get in him. We've got to get in the baby. How do we get in the baby? Look at Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He is the divine portrait. The true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. For through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen and all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality, and authority. It was all created through him and for his purpose. A little side note. So government was created for his purpose. 
He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Righteousness, redemption, completion, all are found in him. He is the head of his body, which is the church, and since he is beginning, and since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. Verse 19, for God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. Completion, fullness, righteousness, redemption is all in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Psalm 16, we don't have time to go very deep into this today, but I've preached this before, expanding our borders and what he has secured for us. But Psalm 16, 5 through 6, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. He is our portion. He is our prize. He is our border. And our lines have fallen favorably. So we have a favorable place to live and exist, to breathe and to move and to have our being. In him we live and we move and we have our being and the lines have fallen favorably for us. Look at it in a, uh, another translation. Lord, you give me stability and prosperity. You make my future secure. It is if I've been given fertile fields or received a beautiful tract of land. Let's go to Ephesians 1. <clears throat> Scriptures just position us today for me to communicate what I need to communicate in a moment. Ephesians 1. Let's read verse 1 through 14. There's 10 things in this passage. That are in Christ. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is found. Just as he chose us in him. There's being chose in him. Before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the Beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is the summing up of all things in Christ." 
things in the heavens, things on the earth, in him also we have obtained an inheritance in him having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be, would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. So when you are in Christ, all that is true of him changes all that is true of you. Okay? All those things in Ephesians 1 are true of you when you're in Christ. You are blessed, you are chosen, you're redeemed, graced, included, and much more. Those are just from one passage, and there's over a hundred. I want to talk about two things that means to be in Christ. In Christ would be a status. Okay? So it would be as simple as this. This is a cup. This is a ball. This is a ball and a cup. <laughs> Any questions? This is Christ. This is you. This is you in Christ. All right? So if you are in Christ and Christ is redeemed, then you are. If you're in Christ and he's seated in heavenly places, then you are seated in Christ. Yeah. Right? If you are, now those are all fun and exciting. If he is buried, then you are buried. If he is raised to new life, then you are raised to new life. It is a status. It's a status. Whatever he is, whatever is true of the cup is true of the ball. All right? It's just where you are. Okay? These are inanimate objects. Okay? But it is just status. It is just matter of fact where he is. So you are there also, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up and he seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I mean, we could play Elf on the Shelf with the cup and the ball and it's going to change all the time, right? Now the ball is on the keyboard. Because the cup is on the keyboard and the ball is in the cup, right? And so we could just do that wherever we want to do. The ball is on the drum cage because the ball is in the cup and the cup is on the drum cage. That's the ball's status, okay? It is factual. It is positional, okay? So positionally, we are in Christ. This is how we get in Christ, though, because if we're not in Christ, Christ is a cup, we're the ball, we're doing our own thing. All those things that were in Christ that we just read about, they're not in you because those are only in Christ. And the only way you have those is to get in, right? 
You got to get in Christ if you want to have redemption, hope, if you want to have an inheritance, if you want to be restored, if you want all those things, you've got to be in Christ. There's no other place to find them. They are nowhere else. Those exist in heaven, not on the earth. We needed heaven to come to earth. God had a plan. He sent his son. He brought heaven to earth. Here it is. Get in. Or get out. My dad used to say, get in or get out or get run over. I mean, whichever way, you got to get in. Here's how we get in. John 3, 16. Many of you probably haven't heard this verse. It's pretty complicated. For this is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. Y'all are, are blessed that he's called a unique son. That makes y'all less weird. Because y'all are weird. Oh, come let us adore him like that. Oh, crazy like. Almost like we're talking about the savior of the world. So here we go. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. You know, the, the Greek literally reads as this. Whoever believes into him. Whoever believes into him shall not perish but have everlasting life. How do we get in him? We believe into him. We believe into him. You have to believe. Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He brings redemption and restoration and forgiveness and all those things. You believe into him. And that's how you get into Christ. When we repent, we turn from our sin, and we turn to God, and we believe into him. And now we're in him. And our status is found in him. Romans 6. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We're baptized into him. We believe into him. We repent into him. And then... We walk in him. We're walking in newness of life because we were buried with him into death. And we were raised into him, into life. And we walk in newness of life. We believe into him. Romans 6, 11, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. How do we get into him? Become dead to sin. Believe, become dead to sin. We're in Christ. Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. We believed. We're baptized into him by the likeness of death and burial. And we raised with him in the likeness of his resurrection. What is true of him is now true of us. We're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. That is our status. If you 
fill out paperwork, doctor's office paperwork, application for a job, whatever, and they ask you your marital status, all right, you're going to check one of those boxes, okay? I don't know everybody's marital, well, I probably do know everybody's marital status, but I don't know it as one whole. And, but you'll check married, single, divorced, okay? You'll, you'll check one of those things, um, widow, deceased. You'll, you'll check one of those boxes, okay? <laughs> I mean, your spouse is deceased. I was trying to be sensitive to something there, and y'all just made it, you just trying to hurt me with it. I went with mom shortly after dad died to the doctor, and there was no place for that, okay? And so I just made it up just now. You don't want to just put your single, right? Because you're married in your heart. You've been married all those years. And that's tough to just put single down. And so... I think, actually, I got confused because I think mom did put deceased. And I think I said, Mom, you're not deceased. That dad's deceased. I blame it on her. <laughs> it did ask for widow? Oh. So she didn't, she didn't want to say widow. She said, my husband's deceased. I'm not a widow. Right? Okay. We just, we're separated right now. We're together in Christ, but we're separated in dimensions at this time. Amen? So, hey, you're still in Christ together. But you put down in there your status that you're married. You wear a ring. That's your status, right? That you're married. And that determines who you are. That says a lot about you. That says your life is not your own. Right? It says you have in-laws. It says you have a boss. Right? And so that makes employers comfortable because they're like, especially a man, if a man comes in for a job and he says, I'm married, they're like, okay, we can yell at him because he's used to it. <laughs> uh, so, you, wanna, you may want to say you're single. Just don't even tell them. Like, I'm a wild stallion. Don't y'all try to talk down to me. They know you're going to be a tad bit more submissive if you're a married man. They just know that. They're like, he's, condi he's conditioned, yeah. And they know you might have to leave work early to get the kids, John. John, yeah. Might have to leave work early. No? Okay. All right. So that's your status. How many people know that you can... Check the married box. That's your status. But you can be living a different reality. Some of you in this room may have a ring on your finger, may be sitting right beside your spouse, but you're living a different reality. You're far from each other. I didn't want to dive into that. Now, we're not, this ain't marriage counseling today. <laughs> I did want everybody to tell your spouse, though, when we were just, because I had the thought, and I thought everyone should have the thought. It's easy for me to sing about the faithfulness of God while I look at my wife on the stage. You know, so when you think about the faithfulness of God today, 
just tell your spouse right now, every time I look at you, I just, I'm overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God. Just tell them, just tell them, just, just tell them. Just tell them. Overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God every time I look at you. But the sad reality is people can have the status of being married and could not be further from married. Okay? So status alone is not enough. Checking the box alone, wearing a t-shirt is not enough. Claiming Christ, saying I'm a Christian, saying I prayed a prayer one time. I thought of it like to this, man, I don't want to get on a bunch of hotbeds today, my goodness. But I just read an article the other day. I read a lot of articles, but this, this lady from China got arrested. She had been running a smuggling operation. She's a multimillionaire, lives in a multimillion dollar home, drives very expensive cars. She's generated her wealth by having luxury apartments leased somewhere in California, and she sells vacation packages to people from China so that those people can come to the United States. There's all kinds of teaching, and she instructs them and grooms them how to disguise the reality that they're pregnant and tells them what to put on their visa. And so they get their visa. They say they're coming for a week or two. She houses them in these upscale apartments somewhere in California. I think it was San Diego or somewhere like that. Houses them in these upscale apartments until their baby's born so that these babies are United States citizens, right? And people pay big money to do that. And so it's this whole... um, fraudulent thing, ways to uh, bypass immigration and do this stuff. They had, a, they had a very derogatory term, I feel, for that situation and called them anchor babies, meaning that the baby puts an anchor in the country that you're wanting to be in, and then your whole family can come into that country, okay? But this is a reality, okay? You think about a green card, you know? I don't know how that works in reality. We see funny TV shows about it sometimes where people will just get married so that they can gain access to the country that they want to live in. So they have to be married. So they'll have these arranged marriages, you know, and they get a green card. So their status is married, but their most marriages are not even consummated. And so there's a lot of Christians who have a green card to heaven because they're claiming to be married to Christ, but they've never known him. And so, and a lot of parents think that they can anchor their baby into the kingdom of heaven just by putting them in the right places at the right time or signing them up in the right church or whatever. Your children have to know him. They'll have to come to know him. Obviously, we can help them, and we can lead them, and we can guide them. But your children don't just become citizens of heaven because you're a citizen of heaven. They have to know him on their own. They have to come into him. And so it's more than just a status. It's a relationship. He said there'll be a day that many will say, Lord, Lord, 
And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. You thought you got a green card when you prayed that prayer, but I wanted to know you. And you needed to know me. You needed to truly be buried with me in the likeness of my death. And you truly needed to be raised with me in the likeness of my resurrection. And you never went there with me. So we're not in him. As we live in relationship with Christ, we grow into all that is true of him. And it becomes true of us. It's like, be holy. Be holy, I like to say it like this, it's like a Polaroid picture. You are instantaneous holy, and you are becoming holy. You are in Christ, and you are becoming in Christ. You're becoming like Christ. And we do that through relationship. You will grow into all that he says is true of you. It's more than a status. It's a relationship. We can't be checked out and distant and growing away. You can't just say, I believe, and I'm married. You have to grow in relationship. You can't just get a membership card to the gym and show everybody <laughs> and get fit. You have to have a relationship with the gym. You gotta have a. You gotta be married to the gym. You gotta have a relate. Oh, you're married. You're giving them your money for that card. I've been married to a gym for years, but I've not had a great relationship with them. They probably feel abandoned by me. I'm like a father that just sends checks. I send checks to the gym, right? I have a card from the gym, but I have no physical manifestation that I'm in relationship with the gym. Sadly, that's how we are with Christ. We send checks to him. We visit him on occasion, but our outer, our man does not display that we're actually in relationship with him. And so we got to have more than a membership card and a status. We have to be in relationship. Not only a gym membership, but a church membership. Even though it sounds a lot more spiritual, it ain't going to cut it. You can't just have a status of being in the church. you got to have a relationship with the church. It goes a long way to be plugged into the church if you want to be plugged into Christ. Since Christ loved the church and established the church. Amen? John, 1 John 1, 5-7. This is the life-giving message we heard him share, and it's still ringing in our ears. We now repeat his words to you. God is pure light. You will never find even a trace of darkness in him. If we claim that we share life with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. 
Colossians 2, 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Don't just have a status, but actually put one foot in front of the other in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith. Be built up in him. Walk in him. Be in relationship with him, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you've been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and all authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. In the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him up from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt, consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he has disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Through him. Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that, here's why we do this, we need to preach and declare the truth and we need to submit and learn because we want to be presented as they present every man complete in Christ. We must change. We must grow. We must believe into him. We must take on that status of being in him, but we must continue in him. We must abide in him. We must live in him. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. But now in Christ, Ephesians 2.13, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. In Christ. It's got to be more than a status. I know there's tons of scripture today. I told you I had to pick from a hundred. I wanted to read all of them. How do we remain in Christ? He was the word that put on flesh and walked among us. If you want to be in Christ, you got to be in the word. If you're not in the word, it wouldn't be a far stretch, and I wouldn't want to judge anybody, of course. We never want to judge anybody. But if I was to inspect your fruit a little bit, if you're not in the word you're probably not as much in Christ as you think you are. You're probably a little bit more of a status than you are in a relationship. Because when we get in his word, we're so in him. And we're so about him. We have to spend time in worship, in proximity 
spend time in his presence. You become what you worship. You become what you adore. If you want to get, be in Christ, worship yourself into there. Worship yourself into there. If you feel distant, if you feel far off, worship yourself there. Magnify him. Lift him up. Worship him. Adore him. Meditate on him. Relations are built one conversation at a time. So we have to pray. We have to communicate with him if we're going to be in Christ. Don't take it for granted. Because you said a prayer one time and you wear a t-shirt that you're literally where you're supposed to be. If nothing about your life looks like Christ, then I think you should evaluate if you're really in Christ. Because what's true of him should become true of us. We have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Look, we know Christ is exactly wherever the Holy Spirit is leading. So if we're a people that are resistant to the leading of the Holy Spirit, can we really be in Him following the Holy Spirit and resistant to the Holy Spirit at the same time? Can't live a double life. You're either in... Or you're out. Can you imagine being in Christ and the dove is resting on his shoulder? You know, it says the dove remained. So you're in Christ with the dove on his shoulder, and yet you don't like the dove. Who do you think is going to have to separate a little bit? You think Christ is going to separate from the dove to make you feel comfortable? You're going to have to make a determination. Do I want to be in Christ? Well, then I better get warm with the dove. I better embrace the dove. I better listen to what the dove has to say. You and him and the dove walking down the road, you don't like their conversation, they're not going to change it. You have to leave. Disciples are learners. Those in Christ are learners. You learn every chance you get, every way you can, what it means to be in Christ. Some of us, we don't want to learn. We're done. We're checked out. That's not being in Christ. Fellowship, we learn from other believers. Christianity is a team sport. We do it best together. We lead each other into Christ. We come into fellowship together, and we find ourselves, I was talking to somebody the other day about marriage and about other relationships, and if we're pursuing God, the triangle... You guys have probably all heard this. If you had any marriage counseling at all, if you haven't, we'll have some. You know, if you want to be one in marriage, you both have to pursue the father, the father, the father, the father, father. 
You have to pursue the Father. And as you pursue the Father, you're going to become one. And I would also say this, the adverse of that. If we're in fellowship with people that are pursuing the heart of God, then our fellowship with them is going to bring us closer to the heart of God. People say, man, you don't have to go to church. No, you get to. It's like a shortcut. It's like the, I'm going to go way back for this. Some of y'all probably ain't going to get this. It's the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start. Who got that? Come on. Do you have to go to church? You get up, up, down, down. Oh, I forgot it. I can't believe I got it one time. That's crazy that I remembered that. Like a vault up here. Up, up, down, down. Something. All right. That's contra. That's the contra code. You get unlimited lives. All right? And so... It's like cheating, man. It's like an open book test, and you can look at your neighbor's answers. That's what church is. Church is taking the test of life, but doing it with other people, and you all get to share answers. Y'all get, who, who would say, do I have to do that? No, go ahead. Fill it in yourself. can't tell you how many answers I've got by looking in somebody's eyes in this body. can't tell you how many answers to the questions that I was missing I got from having a conversation with another believer. Why would we want to do it ourselves? If we're going to be in Christ, and just a little side note, how can you be in Christ and not be in Christ's body? Being in Christ is being in his body. It's being connected. And I know we can say, I don't have to go to the church. That's talking about the global body. Yeah, right. I've talked to enough people connected to the global body. You know what I mean? They connected once every six months to the global body, right? They're connected to some meme factory on social media putting out things and then you find out it's not even from the bible right everything that sounds good and looks good because we don't have any consistent walk with somebody and so we don't get to test things out together we just we just think everything is right and everything is good the gospel according to social media is a bad gospel you need to look some people in the eyes That changes things. (laughs) Listen, how much does your global church prompt you to repent to other believers? How much opportunity is there to offend a brother or sister when we are just, our connection to the church consists of us dictating everything that we want to consume from the global body, but it does not have any accountability or expectation or, you know, we expect you to carry part of this mission and this vision and this ministry, and you're going to walk with us in that. And it doesn't give you any opportunity to offend somebody and have to repent. It doesn't give you a lot of opportunity for conflict. Conflict is the best thing in the world. And we cater our life and our connection to a body in a way that does not leave any room for conflict. I have conflict every week. Every week. I had conflict this week. All right? 
We have conflict. I have conflict with you beautiful people in here. We have conflict about ideas. We have conflict about methodology. We have conflict about all kinds of things. And we sit down across from a table with one another and we share a meal. And sometimes I come your way and sometimes you come my way. And we meet in the middle and eat that old Georgia pine, you know? It's just the way things work. But we need the cheat sheet of the body. It's crazy not to. So if we're going to be in Christ, we've got to be in the body. We've got to be in the word. We've got to be in worship. We've got to be in prayer. That's how we remain in him. Are you saying we can be in him and then get out of him and all that? Let's not have that conversation today. I'll say it like this. If you start talking about giving or something, you always know if someone says, um, well, what, how much do we have to give? If you're asking questions about giving to see how little you have to give, to meet some requirement, then you probably don't need to start giving yet. And I think it's a sure sign if you're asking how much you have to do to be saved and how long you have to continue to walk with Christ and actually try to be like him to really say that you're saved, then you don't know him. If you know him, you want to be like him. If you know him, you adore him. If you know him, you want to walk with him. You want to fellowship with him. You want to fellowship with other people that love him. You want to fellowship with other people that love him. You want to be around him, with him, in him. You're consumed by him. Not, uh, how long do I got to pay my dues? And then what, is there like a diminishing dues over time? If I burn pretty hot for a year, can I kind of just chill the rest of my life till I cash in my ticket? Those conversations, I think, are ridiculous. I don't know why we ever had one to start with. What would ever be the need to have a conversation about what is saved and can you be unsaved or stay saved or not saved? Why would anybody, why wouldn't people just be having the conversation, how do I get closer to Christ? How do I get more in him every day of my life? How do I look more like him with every breath that proceeds from my mouth? How do I burn hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter? How close can I get to him without actually just being accidentally translated into another world? Why are those not the conversation we're having? Every other conversation, the very pretense of it, I think is an assault against the heart of God. Crazy talk. Debating over what constitutes salvation or not. Are you kidding me? If you're saved, I believe you'll know you're saved. You're going to know. You're going to know him. He's going to know you. It's going to be all in you. All in your business. Huh? You'll know you're saved when you go to do that thing. You don't have to ask me if you're allowed to do that thing or not and stay saved. <laughs> You'll know. Stand up with me. We're going to get out of here today.
somebody bank that seven minutes, I'll use it another Sunday. <laughs> Prayer team, if you'll come up, folks may want to pray today. Nolan, if you can come play something. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a portal is opened. Unto us a place to live and move and have our being has been revealed. Unto, play, unto us redemption and restoration and completeness and wholeness and overwhelming has been made available. All we have to do is jump in. Get in the baby. There's room for all of us in the baby. And all of heaven. Lord, we love you today. We worship you today. We honor you today. We are so thankful for the opportunity today. We can draw near to you a million different ways in a million different places. But we are specifically thankful for the opportunity to join together with some other weird people and, and, and adore you as a family, adore you holding hands, adore you rubbing shoulders, adore you back to back, adore you with people who celebrate our diversity and our love for you and our weirdness and our uniqueness and our peculiarity. We're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful for the church. We're thankful for the body. We're thankful for brothers and sisters and family. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful, we're thankful, we're thankful. We're thankful that you put on flesh and walked among us. We thank you that you were laid in swaddling clothes in a manger. And we're thankful that you're no longer in the manger. We're thankful that you walked in obedience, obedience even unto death. We thank you that you died on a cross. We thank you that you were buried in a tomb. And we thank you that you rose and you live forevermore. And we thank you that you've invited us to join you. To join you in that death, burial, and resurrection. Christ, we want to be in you. Not in status, not in symbol, not in name or title, but we want to be in you, in relationship, in the fullness of all that's available to us. We love you. It's an unbelievable opportunity that's been afforded to us. It's an inconceivable, incomprehensible opportunity that has been afforded to us. It's one of those things that seems too good to be true, but you are true. You are the truth, so it has to be true. Thank you for the truth that seems too good to be true, the opportunity that's available to us. The borders have fallen favorably for us, and we're not looking for them. 
We're not looking for him. We're not looking for him. We just want to run as hard as we, I believe, people of God, that as you keep moving forward, the boundaries that, see, because when you're in Christ, the boundaries keep moving. So right when you think you're getting to the edge, you just keep running as hard as you can, and I believe he just opens up more. It's a perpetual, increasing, advancing territory that he has secured and provided for you through the baby, through the baby into vastness inconceivable. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. I want all of you. I want all of you. We want to be in you. Completely and totally surrendered to all that's in your heart. In Jesus' name. If anybody wants prayer today for any reason, if you need healing in your body, please come. Let us pray with you. If you want to be in Christ and your heart is pricked and prompted today and you want someone to pray with you and lead you into believing into Him, come down. Let us pray with you today. Yes. We love you. We love you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.